Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. All right. Go ahead and stand up, if you will. Come on. God is good. Isn't that right? Turn to your spouse and say, I heard you singing, and it was horrible. Tell them. Say, it was terrible. But you look like you're losing weight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Go ahead and sit down. Sit down. Y'all shut up. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> hey, they were saying something a while ago I wanted to tap into just for a second. Uh, th this church is a, is a large church. Maybe never as large as it is right now. Uh, but, I, but I know the Hamans, I know the staff, they've, they've never had a vision to be a large church as much as they've had a vision to be healthy small. And that is in groups. You've got to have friends. Come on, man, I want to look at you for a second. You cannot do this thing on your own. You never see my arms. No, I'm telling you. Look, the scripture says, if you confess your sins to God, you will be forgiven. Raise your hand if you appreciate that. But it also says, if you confess your sins one to another, you'll be healed. This happens to be Healing's Place Church. I know a lot of people who are forgiven, but they are very sick. Because they are doing life alone. There's a bayou name in this city close by, Baker. It's, it's just really small. It's only like 100 feet, and we named it Bayou Self. <laughs> Some of you are never going to get that because you're from up north. <laughs> but some of you, you live by yourself. And I'm going to tell you, the weirdest people I've ever met in my life are all alone. You're going to have to have a place where you take your heart out and somebody sees how it's beating. Like, what is the secret that is in your life that's trying to destroy your home? Well, how was it going a year ago? You probably had some strategy to make that stronger. How's it going now? So I'm going to get to this authenticity, but... First, let me say, when Michelle and I moved to Arkansas, we loved Louisiana. I mean, this is where crawfish live. And uh, it's hard to leave that. And then the relationships and then the people. Who, there's something about the state of Louisiana. There's been more people called to do. I just, I'm still blown away as I travel and meet people. The hand of God is on this state. Do you hear me? And, and the vision of the church that you're a part of, there's no vision that says we just want to get about 40% of the people at Healing Place Church doing something for God. I've never heard you say anything like that, Mike. It's always everybody. So you can come here for the rest of your life and never get involved and never do your part and never get involved in relationships. And you may be okay decently but you'll never be as strong as you could be because that's not the plan of God. And Healing Place Church, they'll move on with or without you, but they'll never be the way they could be because the vision is with you. And God didn't just give his life so you could just know about it. It's for you to live with him every day in your life. Can somebody say amen? amen. So when I moved to Arkansas, it was hard. And I was intimidated. I'm an LSU fan. There's not many of those there. And, uh, and then some of the people speak banjo. I'm not kidding. Hey, now. How you doing now? Nanny, now, now. Hey, now. Nanny, now, 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 now. I heard it in my own ears many times. I was thinking, man, I'm going to move there. and My kids are going to meet their spouse there. This is going to dictate what my grandkids look like. 
I, I read that the average person in Arkansas has 11 teeth and three of them are in their pocket. I was thinking, this ain't going to go good, man. When we moved there, I, did, I, wanted, I wanted to have integrity. I wanted to have a church like this church with integrity. You know, when you, when you think of the Hamans, I mean, just clean. I'm telling you, you want to you wanna clean in a safe place. Now, thank God, you know, this is a church that brings healing to people who have made a lot of bad decisions. But it, but it is awesome to have leaders that are stable. And, uh, and so when I moved there, I wanted to, I'm trying to tell you about a mistake that we made. But this is a mistake Michelle made because I'm more confident talking about her mistakes. <laughs> and so we moved in and, and uh, we started telling everybody, you know, hey, we, this is our values and we're going to have integrity and we're going to do this right. And uh, but my son Tanner, when he was about six years old, he was going around telling everybody that he was a pastor's son because he was getting extra cookies in kids ministry. Well, I'm the pastor's son. So they kept giving him animal crackers. Well, Michelle's not going to put up with that. It's like Rachel. She, she's not going to put up with that. So she went to Tanner. She goes, Tanner, are you going around telling everybody you're the pastor's son for extra cookies in kids' ministry? He said, yes, ma'am, and it's working amazing. I got like eight of them last week. And she said, that's not how we roll. You're, you're, your name is Tanner. That's who you are. That's it. You're just Tanner. He said, yes, ma'am. So remember, we're trying to have a good reputation. So a lady went up to him the next Sunday and said, aren't you the pastor's son? He said, well, I thought I was, but my mom said I'm not. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So we didn't grow much the first year. Don't you love the word? Take your phone out just for a second and turn to Matthew. Isn't that the weirdest thing in the world? Uh, I'm serious. Some of you still have a flip phone. You don't know what I'm talking about. Turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. This is not in notes. All the pro presenters up there are freaking out because it's not, it wasn't first. This is a late entry. That's several of those. Matthew 16, 24. I just love y'all. y'all. Y'all came in here so tight last night, and now I can't get you to focus. Matthew 16, 24. By the way, I'm very blessed. My, my dad, uh, he, he's, he had pancreatitis, and he almost died, and then he had a heart attack. But thank God for good doctors. And Dr. Lance is here right now. I want to ask you to stand, who's his cardiologist, Demont. I know you don't like attention, but I thank God for people like you. Can I have an amen? amen. Well, let me tell you something my dad said just to relax you a little more, okay? My dad is crazy. Like, not, not really crazy, but funny. And he's a Christian, but barely. <laughs> barely. And I always tell him, you're going to make it, but the skin on the side of you is going to be scraped off because uh, it's barely going to get in. And uh, so anyway, I went to visit him. He's in the hospital. And, he, and when I walked, this is when he had pancreatitis. And uh, so I, now you got to remember, my dad, he's a Christian, but he's a coronal Christian. He's growing now, but this is a couple of years, two years ago. So I went in to see him. And when I got there, the doctor said, look, he's not going to make it through the night. He's extremely sick, and you need to say bye. I was like, what? Because my dad, I'm just so close to him. I love him. So I said, yes, sir. So I went in there, and I, I, dad is alert. He's talking, and, and so it's my last time to talk to my dad. So I gave him, like, I just took my heart out and put it out there. And so I said it, and I did it right. And then it was his turn. So I'm thinking, say something good about me. That's what I was thinking. And dad goes, promise me one thing. Now remember, he's hilarious. Promise me one thing. I said, dad, yeah, anything. You got to promise me one thing. I said, dad, anything. You know, he's got pancreatitis. So he said, dad, my dad said, son, promise me you'll tell everybody that I died with AIDS. (laughs) 
<laughs> Y'all are trying to figure out if you should laugh or not. Relax. You can laugh. So I said, Dad, I'm not doing that. You don't have AIDS. Promise me. Promise me. This is the last speech my dad has ever given me. And I said, Dad, I'll do it, but why? He said, because I don't want anybody to sleep with my wife. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> okay, that's our last speech. I walk out loud, Dad, I love you. It was a great man. <laughs> and I just walked out, left. That was it. But he lived through the night, and he's still alive. So anyway, he just brings a lot of joy to me. You so much joy. Told me a few days ago, Boudreaux went to the doctor and the doctor said, I got bad news. You got Alzheimer's and you got cancer. And he said, well, at least I don't have cancer. <laughs> okay, okay. Matthew, if you don't get that, you stupid, all right? Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to us, are y'all ready for the word? Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Their cross, their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I was just thinking about this recently. Here's a question. Where does this happen in America? There's no war on our soil. Where are we going to die daily, giving up our lives? Where does this happen? I mean, seriously, how many times in the last year have you had a chance to lay down your life for Christ? I, mean, I watch the news and I see the beheadings and I see what the persecution of what Christians go through. But where can I lose my life? In my home. It's in my home. I, I can't live for myself. I have to live for my spouse. There are six billion people in the world. You can be rude to all of them, but not one of them. It's your spouse. To give your life up for them. It's like an incredible time. Like some of you, you have a list of things that you need. But Jesus flipped everything upside down. He said, if you want to be the greatest in this thing, you're going to have to be willing to be the least. If you want to be first, you're going to have to be willing to be last. If you want to live, you're going to have to be willing to die. I, I read a book, and I highly recommend it. It's called The Upside Down Kingdom. And it, the, the front of it is like a pyramid uh, with the top of it being the, the example, uh, a normal pyramid in corporate America. To get to the top, you have to be on top of someone else. You have to climb over the shoulders of other people. Whatever it takes to be number one in corporate America, you got to be number one. If you're in sales, if you're going to be the top salesman, you better be number one. You better be better than number two. But in the kingdom, if you're going to be on the top, the kingdom is flipped upside down. And on the very bottom is Jesus. And he said, I didn't even come for you to serve me. I came to serve you. I'm willing to give my life up. You may not be able to do that everywhere in your life, but you've got to do it at home. So I challenge you to have more things on your list that you're working on on things that you need to do versus what your spouse needs to do better for you. And I promise you, when you get the vision, like, gosh, I'm going to work on this, it, it just changes everything. Because some of you say, no, I just need a better spouse. No, you need to be more like Jesus. You don't need a better spouse. I mean, think about it. Think of the order. Think of Adam and Eve. They had everything. Uh, they didn't have any major issues. He was never late from work. She wasn't either. She never burnt anything. There was no bills to pay. He was the most handsome in the whole world. <laughs> she was the most beautiful. No in-laws and no clothes. What? 
They blew it. I don't know if you ever thought about it. I mean, heaven even had trouble with order. Lucifer is the worship leader. And it was chaos, pride. It was pride. It was pride that led him to his downfall. They had to kick him out, and one-third of the angels. If heaven can have trouble with order, what about you? What caused the trouble there? Pride. It's like, what about me? This will destroy a marriage quicker than anything else. You can point at a thousand things, but this is the one right here. And if pride can get Lucifer kicked out of heaven, it'll take heaven out of you. And when you're prideful, you have a major need to be noticed. Look at me. Look how I did. What about me and my needs? Pride has a need to be noticed. But humility notices needs. And I just want to tell you, when you become like Jesus, it turns and all of a sudden you walk into the home and you look around and say, what are the needs here? What are the needs here in my home? There was this one man, his name is Sweetie, who used to drop off every morning. He would walk around. He was a godly man. He had a godly wife. Godly kids. So it was during my first year of marriage, we were struggling, or at least first two years of marriage. And I, I remember asking him one day, I said, do you have any advice for me? For marriage, you have a great marriage. And he goes, let me think about it. I don't know for sure. So he'd always throw the newspaper. Uh, he'd pick it up from the, the road, and he would bring it, and it hit my front door every morning. And one morning I heard it, and I opened the door, and I said, do you have? He goes, yep. Yeah. He said, about once a month or so, you need to take your wife out and ask her, what do I need to work on to make this better? He said, man, I started this a long time ago, and that list was so long <laughs> when I first started. He said, but I've noticed there's nothing on the list now because I just humbled myself and I listened. One day, there was a marriage conference at Bethany where I used to be on staff. Pastor Larry was teaching, and he said, on Friday night, I encourage you all to go on a date. Some of you haven't been on a date in a long time. And, uh, well, that night, I was walking to my apartment, and I noticed, or to the gym, and I noticed that there was these teenagers parking behind the gymnasium. Teenagers would do that all the time. And so I walked over, and I noticed that the windows were very fogged up. And I was like, gosh, I can't. If I, if I tap on the door, no telling what's going on in there. And so I just kind of tapped, and, and then I heard, went down. And I looked, and it was this man who gave me the advice with the newspaper, with his hair all messed up, <laughs> married for close to 50 years, with his wife and her hair messed up. <laughs> and I was like immediately embarrassed. He said, Pastor Larry told us to go on a date, and this is where we go. <laughs> like, what the heck? So I'm just like looking away. He's in heaven now, but every time I saw him after that, hey, sweetie, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> I believe when we do it Christ-like, it can get better and better and better instead of the peak being when we're dating. Can I have an amen on that? This old couple went to a wedding and they were crying because it was just so moving. On the way home, he had her sit by him and we got home. She's like, they were just like really getting cozy, extra cozy. And he, she looked at him and she said, I remember when you used to look at me and tell me I was beautiful. And he looked at her and he said, baby, you're still really pretty. She goes, whoo-hoo-hoo. She said, yeah, but I, I remember when you used to nibble on the side of my neck. And it would send chill bumps up and down my spine. And he jumped up and he ran out. She goes, I'm sorry I embarrassed you. He goes, no, I'm going to get my teeth. <laughs> so I'm just trying to teach you how to get your teeth. All right, so let's get into some of this. Number one, last night we talked about, quickly, marriage can cause deep pain or deep healing. It's your call. It's your move. We talked about wives. 
the scripture, wives submitting to the husband. But after that, giving your life up for your spouse. Talked about the wives learning to respect their husband. But here's number two. Marriage can cause deception or authenticity. You choose. It's your call. Your call. You think, you think about the people in the Bible, so many heroes of the faith who had it and then something went wrong. I mean, think about God. God told Abraham, he said, you're going you're gonna to have so many kids. Well, he had a vision. Some of you, when you got married, you had a vision. But he got discouraged with his vision. He didn't think it was going to happen anymore. He went to plan B. I could talk about plan B and the monumental mess that came from that, if you want me to. But he finally just settles. And one day when he was 100 years old and his wife is 100 years old, and the Lord showed up and said, go to babies or us, it's time. That's nasty, 100 What about Noah? Noah built an incredible boat. But he was also the father of drunks. But this guy Jacob, I want to talk to you about Jacob just for a second. Because I want to talk to you about being authentic. And I'm just telling you, the early church, the Bible says in Second uh, Acts chapter 2. Uh, the scripture is really clear, bold. It says that they, every day God added to them the, those who were being saved. But, but before that, we, we know about Pentecost. I love the power of God. But what is all this for? It's always for souls. But at some point when the Holy Spirit fills you, you're going to have a burdened desire, a, a very strong desire to be authentic. And the Bible says in the early church, they met in each other's homes and they were real with one another. Scripture says that they were authentic with one another. And they were glad with one another, so they had joy and authenticity. And then God blessed them. He, well, Jacob, in the Old Testament, he was somebody like a lot of the men. I just want to talk to the men here. He was very, very much like some of you and me, where we just constantly fight for everything we get. It's all about strategy and, and how we concoct ideas and how we just dominate, try to move through life. I'm going to tell you, there's going to come a time where you're going to realize you cannot do it without God. God shows up and he's wrestling with, is his fighting match, I should say, with Jacob. And, uh, and, 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 and finally, God says to him, he says, tell me who you really are. He asked for his name, but the name represents character. And in the Old Testament, the name Jacob, it actually meant deceiver. Doesn't mean that now, but it, back then, that's what it meant. So he said, tell me who you are. I need to know. And he's fighting against God. He fought against his brother. He fought against the will of his father. He's fought against everybody. Now he's fighting against God. And God says, I'm going to bless you. But you've got to tell me something truthful about you. I just want to tell you, I just double dog dare you men, women too. Some point tonight. When it gets dark outside, for you to walk around and tell God something about your life that you've held behind you. This is what happened to Jacob. He's a mess. God said, tell me something about your care. Okay. He said, okay, God. I'm a deceiver. I've deceived everyone. It's the way I roll. And God's, God's like, yes, this is my boy. I love you for that. And God blessed him there. And I want you to pay attention to what happened. The, the Bible says that Jacob called that place Peniel. It's the place where he saw God face to face. Like the, the Bible says when he walked away, like he never walked the same again. Something happens when you just get honest with God and say, here's who I am. But I want to tell you, he already knows. Then why does he ask? Because he has to have something you give him to work with. Please get this. One time, blind Bartimaeus, Jesus walked by blind Bartimaeus, and I'm talking to you about marriage. And, and he starts yelling, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
He was blind. Everybody knew it. His name was Blind Bartimaeus. That was his nickname. And then Jesus, he doesn't necessarily hear it. He's yelling so loud. Like, have you told anyone what you need Jesus to do? Or your friends are like, I'm just tired of hearing about you want God to rescue your marriage or to heal you or whatever it is. The Lord loves to know what it is, but you got to hear. And the Bible says that they heard him and they told him to be quiet. In the Greek, it literally means they said, shut up. We're tired of hearing you yell. And then he says, the Bible says he yelled all the more. It's like Mike. Like if I went to Mike, because I've been around him a little bit, and we talk on the phone. If I went to Mike, I said, Mike, I'm sick and tired of hearing about the dream God has given you for healing. I'm sick of it. He would say, well, let me just tell you one more time. <laughs> He's not about to shut up. So, but this is weird to me. Jesus literally talking about being authentic and sharing with God. He already knows. But Jesus walked over to blind Bartimaeus and this really weird scripture to me. This is what he said to blind Bartimaeus. Hello. What do you want me to do for you? Well, everybody had to be thinking, Jesus is tired. He don't know that's blind Bartimaeus. Y'all need to feed the brother something and get him some new sandals too. No, he knew. Why did he ask? If he knew what blind Bartimaeus needed, why did he ask? Because he loves to hear what you're dreaming about. Like you might have a dream in your job, in your career, in your hobbies. How many deer you want to kill this year? Dream for LSU, but what about your God? And when is the last time you articulated? Like you can tell. Look, if somebody is in a home and they've lost their dream and they're no longer sincere about what they're doing, it's hard to be married to someone who used to have a dream and they've lost it. In the Bible, the Bible says Joseph, uh, he was coming and his brothers noticed him from a long way off and they elbowed one another and they said, look, the dreamer's coming. You can tell in a marriage who's dreaming dreams for God and who has put it down. And I just want to stretch your thinking just for a little bit. I'm going to try to, this is a crazy thing I'm going to tell you, but this is, but you got to go with me on this, okay? Raise your hand if you want to go to heaven someday. All right, it's a good time to vote. <laughs> Even Presbyterians need to raise their hand in church on that one. When you get to heaven, I'm just going to, I have a lot of questions, man. I, I used to write them down, things I want to ask God when I get to heaven. <laughs> like, I'm going to bring the list with me. And <laughs> so I stopped. <laughs> But I believe just being in his presence, the answers will be, boom, like all these, just being around, whoa. But I want to stretch the way you think. When you get to heaven and you see the enormity of God and how big he is and the power of his name, look how, but there's one strange verse that marriage Relates to. And it says in heaven that he's going to literally wipe away every tear. That sounds good. Like, yes, wipe away the tears. But here's a question. What tear is going to be in heaven? Go home and play with that. I don't know. So I'm going to conjecture a little bit. Here's one possibility related to your marriage. Maybe when you see how powerful he is in heaven, maybe you'll look back to now and think, why did I live on earth knowing he was that amazing? Why was I always so afraid? Why didn't I fight for my bride? Why wasn't I real? I didn't even have hardly one sincere prayer time with him. If I would have known he was this amazed, look at the forgiveness in his eyes. 
If I would have known he loved me like this, I wouldn't have. Why was I fighting for the world? I was constantly grabbing things in the world. If I would have known, I would have lived differently. Maybe that's the reason why Jesus said, when you pray, you pray that his will will be done on earth like it is in heaven. And I just want to encourage you. You can't compete and the world can't compete with being authentic in your God. Like just being sincere and telling him what's really going on. The sincere dreams that are inside of your life. Because I believe that it's in marriage that we become the most deceptive. And it's where we lie to ourselves the most. And where we get callous. The problem with being deceived in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And it says in verse 1 that in the latter times that many will abandon their faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. The next part of the verse is, it says that they'll worm their way into weak-willed people's homes and gain control over minds. Now, I could teach on that for a long time, but I just want to let you know that God hates deception. And he's looking for someone that is just authentic and real. Can I have an amen? amen. This is the early church design. It was the first thing they had. Like, this is what God is crazy. Okay, recently I was in, I'm a, I love to, I, I wash my hands a lot. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't like a germaphobe. So when I'm at, the, when I'm at a restaurant, I, if I'm going to touch the menu, I've got to go wash my hands after, right? So, so I go I wash my hands. I'm the only one in the bathroom, and I'm washing my hands. And when I, when I get through washing my hands, when I'm, I'm drying my hands, a lady walked into the bathroom. This is at a restaurant, public restaurant. A lady walked in, an older lady, and she walked in, and she goes, <gasps> and I looked at her, I said, I felt like I, I, I had to take control. Ma'am, you're in the wrong bathroom. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. Like a crawfish, she just backed right out. But then she came right back in. She goes, no, you're in the wrong bathroom. <laughs> so then I walked out, and I went and looked at the sign. Ladies. It's like, how did I not see that? How did I just walk in here and not see that? That's what deception does. The problem with being deceived is you're deceived. And a person who's deceived never goes, how did I not see that? That's why we need marriage. You don't have to figure it out. Just ask. Just ask your spouse. They'll tell you. <laughs> See how I do that good? No, it was terrible. But if I did it well, she would tell me. We just need some honest feedback somewhere. You have blind spots in your life you cannot see. If you go home and you see something hanging from your nose when you get home, we saw it too. <laughs> but if you don't give us permission to tell you. One of our worship leaders tried out for American Idol and won the whole thing, Chris Allen. It was awesome. But what I like about American Idol is when the people think they're great and they're horrible. It's like you do a story and you're trying to figure it out. I bet they're good. No, I bet they're bad. I, I usually going to be terrible, whatever. And so then you ask them, hey, you think you're going to win American Idol? Yes, I'm the greatest singer to ever live. Better, way better than Celine Dion. Uh, every, way better than Beyonce, everybody. So then they go to sing. And then it's like, hey, that was hey. And you're thinking, <laughs> don't they have any friends? Don't they have a mama? Oh, yeah, they do. They were the type people who decided to barricade and to live in deception instead of truth. So you may not never do that with your vocals singing, but you may do it with your pride at home. Can't even admit you're wrong. There are times when Michelle and I had friction and her hand was right next to me in the bed and I knew I needed to reach over and grab her hand and say, I'm sorry, baby. And it was like it was a million miles away. 
and I couldn't do it. That's the reason why God has given you a spouse. And I just want to tell you, stop keeping score on what they need to do. And be authentic about what you need to do. I've seen the deception get out of control. I had a man one time tell me who was in adultery. And he opened up the word and spent 30 minutes convincing me that this was a biblical adultery. (laughs) One lady told me that her husband was the Antichrist. And that was the reason why she was in adultery. She was paying the Antichrist back and God was proud of her. (laughs) It's crazy. Some of you are writing it down like, good strategy. (laughs) All right, let's keep going. All right, here's a strange one, number three. Marriage can confuse. Now, I know some of you are going, why in the world is he going to this point? But marriage can confuse God and money. Look, Look at this verse in Matthew 6, 24. You cannot serve... Both God and money. Say that with me. You cannot serve both God and money. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because finances is the number one issue that's in a home. So I want to teach you how to get God in the middle of it all. Even if you make, raise your hand if you ever made mistakes financially. Look at these heathens. We all have. But I I just want to tell you that with your money, And the way that you are a giver and a tither, just for a second, I'm going to hit on this and I'm going to move on. It's related to the heart of your home. God and money. So I'm going to say two statements and neither one of these statements are true, but this is a lordship litmus test for all of you. So let me just give you the two statements. Neither one of these are true. So don't Twitter me, don't, don't quote me on this. But I just want you to know, these these are not true. But I want to ask you, which one of these two statements causes the most anxiety in your home? Number one, there is no God. This is not true, but just go with it. There is no God. It was all made up. Somehow I just got fresh revelation from you could say heaven, but there's no heaven. So I got this, and I'm just presenting. It's not true, guys. We bought into a fraud. It's not true. There's no, there's no heaven or hell. There's no angels or demons. Jesus never died on the cross. It's not true. It's all made up. It's not even true. False statement number one. False statement number two. You have no money. It's all made up. When you get home today, it's going to be barricaded. Your home, you can't get in. Your apartment, whatever it is you live in, you have no money in your bank account. You have, you have no job. Can't, you have no savings, no retirement, Nothing. It's all made up. Let's revisit. Which one of those would cause the most anxiety in you? You cannot serve both God and money. It didn't say God and family, God and career, God and sex, God and money. Why? Because the Lord knew that this was going to be the place people are going to falter the most in their homes. And I just want to encourage you, when the scripture says that when you tithe, first of all, you can't give the tithe. There's impossible. Don't even try to do it. You can't give it. The Bible doesn't say give the tithe. It says to bring it. I love sports. I'm a sports enthusiast. I love trash talking more than I love sports. I'm a racquetball guy, and I love to beat these big boys at our church in racquetball when I can. The guys that are better than me, I don't play them anymore. But one of them, Jason Kimbrough, who I can beat most of the time, he'll come to me, I'm going to beat you in racquetball. And I always say, bring it. That's what the Lord says. When you say, I love you and I want our marriage to be with you, God says, bring it. Bring the tithe. You can't give it. 
It's like if I told my friend, hey, here's my truck. I'm going to go out of town for 30 days. Drive my truck the whole time. Just drive my truck. I love your truck. Thank you for letting me drive. I just drive my truck. When I get back, I want you to pick me up at the airport. He picks me up at the airport and says, thank you so much, man, for bringing me back my, my truck and picking me up at the airport. How would you like my truck? I loved it. It's amazing. But while you were gone, I was praying about it, and the Lord told me, Rick, to give you this truck. And I would say, what you been smoking? You can't give me, it's my truck, boy. <laughs> and that's the way it is. And I just want to tell you, let the finances in your home become sacred because he's a good God and he's worth trusting and he has a very good interest in you. Can I have an amen there? Come on, give him some praise. Don't get tight on me, don't get tight on me. Don't get tired of me. Number four, marriage can cause spiritual death or spiritual life. Scripture says, choose this day the God you will serve. Choose this day. Now, this is the last thing I'm going to be able to talk to you about. I just really want you to get this. In fact, everybody just look here for a minute. What motivated me the most since I've been married... Is, is what Billy Graham said. Live with the end in mind because it's going to come. It's like an eternal perspective. So I'm going to share this with you and then we're out of here, okay? I read this story one time that put everything in perspective for me with the scripture. This couple had been married for 57 years. They had five boys. All of them loved God. Their grandkids all loved God. The whole family was honoring. It's like, what? I would have loved to have met this couple because this kind of couple uh, pulled it aside and give me some advice. I want to get this right. Well, finally, he woke up one morning, turned to his wife. He said, hey, baby, what you want? You want to make some coffee? And she was gone. He was just like so stressed. That day he called his boys and they all came over and he was so depressed. The funeral he went, but when it was time to go to the gravesite, he couldn't even go. And they said, Dad, are you okay? And he said, The weirdest thing, and I give you this. He said, Yeah, I'm okay. It happened just the way I wanted it to. They said, What do you mean, Dad? It happened the way you wanted it. You seem crushed. He goes, yeah. I always wanted your mom to go and be with the Lord first. Why, Dad? He said, because I never wanted her to feel the pain that I feel right now. And I just want to tell you, after 29 years of being in the ministry, where most people get their pain is from their spouse. Instead of being the one who takes the pain away. So I just want you to see that your testimony, that life is fast. And we're going to close this out with just a few minutes, and I want you to watch this. Just let the Spirit of God, it's a movie clip from the movie Up, but it's just a few minutes and I want you to see this testimony time. And I want you to see, let the Holy Spirit speak to you about your story and your God and the speed of life. And the Bible says life is a vapor and one day we're going to be there. But let's do this thing right in Jesus' name. Watch this clip, please. I am about to let you see something. My adventure book. When I get big, I'm going where he's going. Paradise Falls, a land lost in time. You can take us there in a blimp. Swear you'll take us. Cross your heart. Cross it? Cross your heart. Good, you promised. No backing out. Well, see you tomorrow, kid. Bye.
Can you, can you stand with us this morning? Ah. <laughs> Disney. <clears throat> and that is a powerful picture, is it not? Lord, we, we want to be authentic. God, just totally transparent. First, God, before you, and then with our spouse. Lord, this commitment that we made, it's a commitment for life. We said, I promise, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health till death. God, this is a promise that we've made to you and to our spouse. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to give us the grace that we need to keep that promise. Lord, I thank you for a forever love that you've placed in us. God, you have loved us with a love that will never let us go. And it's from that place that we love our spouse. Lord, I just pray all across this room this morning, God, that you would strengthen the bond between husband and wife. Let that bond be unbreakable. Let it be unshakable, Father. Lord, give us the courage to walk humbly before you, God, in, in, in humility toward one another, Father. I pray that there's a spirit in this place that would bring healing, God, to the hurts that some of us have carried for years. Lord, we just we lay it before you. God, I thank you. You're a God that, that forgives, but you're also a God that heals. Lord, you've, you've used last night and this morning, God, to do some supernatural things in us. God, in the way that we think, in our perspective, God, in our priorities, but Lord, in our promise. So God, we thank you for that. Won't you just take your spouse by the hand? Draw them close to you right now. Just draw them close. Just kind of snuggle up in there together. Come on, you want to wrap your arms around each other? That's fine. You know, sometimes we, we don't normally do this on a Sunday. We've got all different kinds of, you know, combinations of people and men and women. I never want to alienate anybody, but, you know, at a marriage conference, man, this is something specific, man. We focus on one another. It's a, a marriage relationship is one picture that God gives us that represents the love that Jesus has for us. That's why it's so powerful. And I think that's why the enemy would target every marriage because he hates that picture of the love of Jesus for his children. God, I, I pray that you'd strengthen every couple. Lord, that you would galvanize the hearts and minds of husbands and wives. Lord, we believe that in, in just a few short moments, God, you've, you've placed some things in us, God, that's going to be the super glue of our marriage. God, I pray that you just continue to, 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 to cause hope to breathe and come alive in husbands and wives and, and spouses. Lord, that our children would be blessed under a covering, that they would know the love of a heavenly father because they've seen it expressed in mom and dad. Lord, you're a good God. And God, I pray that your goodness and mercy would rest over every marriage and over every home. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Come on, can you show your love and appreciation? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.